welcome to episode 97 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and with me is Casey, the quiet one, Brady. Uh, man, that was, that was clever. Uh, this week we're going to take a look at 22 Jump Street. Our top five will be based off of Jonah Hill. We'll also look at Sin City, a dame to kill for. And for the Movie Club segment, I recommend it to Bob, Eraserhead. Yes, and we will talk about that later. But first, we're going to talk about 22 Jump Street. Yes, you saw 21 Jump Street, I'm guessing, as did I. So <laughs> yeah, You saw it in theaters, I did not. Not 21 Jump Street. Oh, you said 21? Yeah. I can't count. But yeah, 21 Jump Street. I enjoyed it a lot. I don't remember much from it to like say why I liked it, but I do remember it was laughing funny. a lot and enjoying it. Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. Um, and then when you watch 22 Jump Street, then you kind of remember 21 Jump Street. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's kind of similar. <laughs> kind of, kind of. So you have Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum as the... The two lead cops who go to college and try to... College this time instead of high school. Yes. Because they um, look like they're 40. You can't pass, right? Yeah. And they're basically, I think, doing the same thing, trying to find the drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, and going through different channels to find the drug dealer. The main supplier. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, expectations? Um, I actually expected it to be pretty funny. I knew the first one was funny. Um... And it seemed there were, there was this vibe that even though there was going to be a sequel, like if, say, Ted did another one, if there was a Ted 2, which I think there will be, that's going to be terrible. It's going to be extremely terrible. But for some reason, I kind of knew this one would be pretty good. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to it. My initial reaction was like, did this really need a sequel? I don't know. I don't know why, but watched the first tra- the trailer for the new one, and I just... I wasn't really looking forward to it, but then the closer it got to the actual release, I found myself wanting to go see it. Even though I didn't go see it, I still was looking forward to checking it out eventually. So hmm. thought it would be about the same, and and it was. It was almost exactly the same. A yeah. lot of a lot of the same jokes, same storyline, uh, same humor with them. You know, being so close, they're almost gay. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of meta uh, meta talk about how oh. This is being a sequel, and you don't want to make it the same, but... I didn't think there was as much as I was expecting after I heard some reviews. I think early on, definitely. Heavy, hitting a nail right on the head with uh, Nick Swanson. <laughs> Wait, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Swanson. Nick Offerman. His parts was, like, blatant. But I felt like it's definitely throughout, but it was a little more subtle, I thought, later on in the movie, and... I mean, subtle as you could expect. I, I mean, I thought it was pretty, I mean... Of course, but that's the whole point, is yeah, is being obvious about it. So. You might as well be self-aware, I guess. Uh, but I, I do think they did it too much, in my opinion. Yeah, but not, probably. But um, in a big chunk. If they would have spread it throughout the movie, I still probably would have hated it. Um, but they, they had a big chunk at one point where that, they just kept doing yeah. it over and over again. And then they went away from it. Yeah, but the chemistry is still incredibly strong between Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. It is, yeah. They're they're funny together. Uh, they're really able to bounce off each other, uh, have the, the enthusiasm to keep going with certain jokes. I so love forth. Channing Tatum. He's just so likable guy. Looks like this jock doofus kind of guy, 
but he's actually pretty funny, and I think he's a decent actor too. Um, I don't. I mean, I would. It's hard to say he's a decent actor. What I mean, give me a really good performance. Of this. Magic Mike. I haven't seen Magic Mike. Okay. Uh, any other? <laughs> uh, Not really. Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. I don't think I've seen that one either. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, dear I, Julia, I don't know. dear John, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But I actually think he's funnier than Jonah Hill in these movies, and I think that's it's set up that way. I think because he's more of the dumb guy, the straight man. I feel like his level of humor plays better in this in these movies because maybe because it's more of an action comedy and he fits that a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they're both funny, but I just would give him the slight edge. Yeah, I actually surprisingly agree with you about that. Uh, he is a little bit funnier, but I, like you said, I think it is set up that way. Yeah, I, especially the opening scene of this movie when they're they're pretending they're playing a character of Mexicans to try to get a drug deal, yeah. <laughs> and Jonah Hill's perfectly in character, like doing a good job of being like, "Hey, hiffy." <laughs> and then Channing Tatum's sound like Borat. You know? <laughs> like, my name's Jeff. <laughs> I can't do it, but that was actually, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, um, and I like the whole angle with uh, Channing Tatum, how he basically falls in love with the quarterback, the college quarterback, and they do a little bromance, and then it's like. Jonah Hill, man, he's cheating on me. He's falling for someone yeah. else. I and mean, it was—I really like that whole angle. It, they did a lot of those tropes about uh, a lot of romantic comedies do. So they did follow that, and of course, it was once again doing it on purpose, being obvious with it. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I just—I wish it would have been more different than the, the first one. It definitely—it yeah. should have diverged uh, a lot more. I do well. See, I want to agree, but at the same time, I enjoyed it just as much. Just as much. Yeah, I would give them the same grade, and probably I laughed just as much at this one as I did the last one, because I think some things were different enough. Yeah, it's the same tropes, the same type of story, everything. But something about it, just maybe it's just the chemistry, the delivery these guys have. It just, it still got me. I, I actually, I did still enjoy it. Um, if I would have seen this one first, I probably would have enjoyed it more than the first one. Right. But because I saw the first one, I probably enjoy yeah. that a little bit more than the second one. I um, think... The, they are pretty much equal in terms of quality. I think so, yeah. And I think maybe the humor is a little bit better in the first one. But that I thought the action was better here. I thought there was actually some pretty good action. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. The action was better, and I was surpri- I was surprised, and I thought it was pretty funny how Channing Tatum's just a parkour guy all of a sudden can just leap up buildings, and mm-hmm. like pretty much everyone on campus except for Jaron Hill can do it. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny for some reason, but it, it was weird. But especially, uh, I, I like the end on the truck where Jonah Hill is, <laughs> you know, he's falling off the edge of the truck and yeah. screwing everything up. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good, but my my favorite character in this movie was actually Ice Cube. Um, I thought he was hilarious. He was in the first one, right? Yeah, but I didn't necessarily love his character in the first one because it just seemed like he's going to be the guy that just yells a lot, you know, the angry black man. But in this one, they gave him a little bit more to do with a little bit of a twist that I don't want to say necessarily. 
With, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No. To do with Jonah Hill? There's some I... friction between him and Jonah Hill's character. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, I liked that stuff a lot. I it, thought that was pretty good. It was pretty funny. He still had a very small role, but I thought they used him better than they did in the first one. I could agree. And I love how it was just right across the street from the last home base. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was neat to see all the other, uh, maybe that was in the first one, all the other cops that were doing the same thing, dressing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. That might have been in the first one, though. I can't remember. <laughs> they blend together a little bit. They do. What about the um, the jail sequence when they go back to the drug dealers from the first one, visit them in jail to try to get Kind of like a Hannibal Lecter type of <laughs> yeah. thing. Except it's Dave Franco and uh, Rob Riggle. Yeah. I, Rob Riggle I thought was pretty funny. He was pretty good. He's, he's Dave's my bitch. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm his bitch. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's pretending to be his bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> What about the actual story or plot of this one? With uh, There was a little bit of a twist on it this time about the who the drug dealer is and who they think it is. Was there a twist? I don't... It, it's very um, non-memorable to me. I don't really remember too much. I just remember okay. it seems just the same. Um, I thought now, that... now that you say there is a twist, I think I know who it was now. But still, eh. I wish they would have done something completely different. I thought it was a clever twist. I mean, because I wasn't watching for the plot, so I was I wasn't expecting it to be anything, even remotely clever. I just thought they were going to just you know do the obvious. But yeah. I guess by doing the not obvious, that's almost as obvious as doing the obvious thing. Obvious. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> but so, what would you, I mean? Do you have anything else to say? Just want to shout out the scene when uh, they're in the roof. Or the yeah the the attic of the base the beta the what's it called the alpha beta house what is that place called I was obviously never in one frat house frat house yes <laughs> they're in the attic and they're tripping on drugs and he keeps like drilling holes into the ceiling over and over and over I don't remember For some reason again I thought I'm now funny. thinking of neighbors <laughs> okay no with the frat house but <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what would you give it? I'd give it an 8 out of 10. 8? Wow. What, what do you give the first one? 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I'm giving them both 7 and a half. And it's a light 8. It's not... I just... I actually wanted to get into this a little bit. I feel like I grade each genre of movie on a different scale. Completely different. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And that. I almost feel like I'm doing something wrong... And I want to go back and reevaluate every single thing I've ever rated. But then I'm like, well, that just makes sense a little bit. Because you rate off each other. Mm -hmm. You do the same thing. Oh, it, I mean, I think it's inevitable that we will. Um, because, like, say horror films. When you see a good horror film, because there's so few, you're going to rate it much higher. See, yeah. Um, but that horror film still has to be good to get, for me, to get into the nine range. Oh, it's yeah. going to be, it has to get very good. Yeah. I just feel like, remember how last week I was talking about how indie movies, they kind of have a ceiling for me? Which I completely disagree. I feel like indie films are much higher for me. And I, I think I'm holding it back personally. Like, I think I'm most lenient on comic book movies and comedies. Mm -hmm. Because a comedy, you make me laugh, I'm going to give you a good score. Because it maybe it might not be necessarily incredibly well made or... 
or you know having a great plot or or anything like that but hey you're a comedy the goal is to make me laugh yeah and a comic book movie and the so goal are, is different you know the goals and, are and different and that is uh, I think why the 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 scoring is so different is because we're we're more or less scoring on the purpose of the film um but we I think say for drama our we don't assign a purpose for a drama making us feel that drama true but as for a comedy we want to to laugh but for a drama we're actually grading on the qualities of film itself I think. see yeah it's, um, and I, and that's my favorite so genre I think I think drama is it's a broad drama genre it is and it's I think it's my favorite like the you know the dramas <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'd recommend it if you like the first one or you like comedies. It's it's worth a watch. It definitely is, I oh, think, a uh, film for sorry. everyone. I did think of one more thing that I wanted to talk about was the credit sequence. The credit sequence. Did you stay and watch it? Because it was pretty great. No. Um, what they did was they like followed up and showed you the sequels and sequel and sequel. Oh, okay, yeah, I did see okay. that. Okay, yeah. I thought that was pretty pretty clever how they, at one point it's a video game and then. Well, at one point it's animated, and another point it's like med school. And yeah, I and the funny, funny thing is, they are making it twenty three though. Yeah, so. <laughs> they killed their intro. Yeah, I, I thought the end credits was great. It's not very often where it's entertaining to watch the credits. So. Yeah, do you think there should be a twenty three? I'll watch it. I mean, why not? But uh, not really. Making you. I have a feeling this one might be bad. Maybe not. Maybe but not bad. They can't do this same thing again where they'd be like, a third one's never, is even better. <laughs> yeah. I feel you like know? that's what they'll do, though. I'd rather see, get the same director, actors, and make a new comedy with the same people. I feel like you have a better like chance of... Like, yeah, a little bit, you know, how they'll basically just reuse the same people. Maybe have a new one here or there. Mm-hmm. And just do it different, but have the same people so you know the chemistry's good. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to do that. I fully agree with you. So our top five is Jonah Hill. Yes, I think he's a fantastic comedic actor. He is, but he's also a pretty darn good serious actor. Yeah, but even his serious roles kind of have a bend of humor to them. It mm-hmm. seems like. But this is one of my most solid uh, top fives I've made in a long time. Really? Every single movie in my top five is at least a nine out of ten. Nine? Yeah. Okay. I think you might disagree with me on one of mine then, but... Okay. <laughs> but this one, I mean, I, I mean, I'll kick it off with it. Cyrus. I will mention. really enjoy this film. I know you, I think I recommended it to you before we started this podcast. I'd um, give it an eight out of ten. I just really enjoy it. I think it's so funny, but I love the dynamic of the... The three characters. Love everybody in it. It's just, uh, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. It was just some small find I found one day, and I, I loved it. So Yeah, it is really good. Definitely not to mention, I love John C. Riley. Yeah. I love Jonah Hill. And he, Jonah Hill was at his creepiest here. He was. <laughs> his night terrors. I'll never forget that. Yeah, funny and a good drama at the same time. So, yeah. very solid movie. I can't argue against it. My number five, you might argue against funny people. Yeah, I kind of would. Nine, I can't agree with the I nine. I love that movie. It was in my top five of that year, I believe. I mm. just think it's criminally underrated. It's Judd Apatow's... 
I'll go ahead and say it. It's his second best movie. <laughs> I was going to say best, but Knocked Up, I think, is better. Hmm. I think it's better than the well, 40 year old version. I feel like that tells us something. How about that? Um, you think it's better than 40 year old? Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> I do. Huh. I love 40 year old version as well, but I think Funny People is has great dramatic elements to it. And I think it has great comedic. I don't think it's as out and right of a comedy as people imagined it being going into it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's Adam Sandler's best performance to date. I think it's... it's I, I really do like Adam Sandler in this. And I, I don't know. I, it's really long, but I think it has two completely different halves that are great on their, their own merits. And I mean, maybe I, I could give it a rewatch because I, I think I've mentioned before when I watched it, mm-hmm. four or five... Six o'clock in the morning. So, and I think it's the only time I've ever found Jason Schwartzman funny. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> Yo, teach. Well, my number four is Lego Movie. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Okay, I was surprised. Okay, I'm surprised. It's um, an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Well, you, I, I know which films you're going to have that I didn't include, so I think that's why it's we're off a little bit. Okay. Um, it's it's grown on me. Um, my reflection of it now. Compared to when I watch it, it's a much better film, and I still really enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, a good, a good uh, kids' film that breaks past being a kids' film. It makes it very entertaining for adults. I've literally seen it at least thirty times now, and I still don't mind when my daughter wants to put it on. So <laughs> that's a good testament. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number four is Moneyball. That's my number three. Okay, I was surprised that it was a slow on my list. It's and I think it's a great movie. It's in my top 100 of all time, at the very bottom. It's like number 99 or something. Mm. Um, one of the best sports movies ever made. I think it's, it's just so different. Definitely the number one baseball, right? I think so. I th- I'm pretty sure we both. Have <laughs> yeah, yeah. One. I just say, I like how different it is. It's not so much focused on the action on the field or they're gonna win it all this year. And there's a little bit of that, and I think it's really well done in that aspect, but I love seeing the behind the scenes, the, what makes these people turn, and what is their strategy. Loved the book, thought this was a great adaptation. Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt were both great, and uh, Jonah Hill deserved his Oscar nomination, I felt like. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with everything you just said. Okay, so then... My number three is Knocked Up, which I fucking spoiled <laughs> by yeah. accident, but I think we knew it was coming. Yeah. I didn't have Knocked Up only because I, I really, all of those films kind of blend together. All those really? Type, yeah, they all blend together. I'm not even sure which one I, which ones I've seen. Um, this one has Seth Rogen, right? Yeah. I mean, most of Seth them Rogen do. and Catherine but, Heigl. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean what, he, he knocks her up and you then... Think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's so many of them that just seem so similar. And they're all really good, but I just, if I can't really determine which one's which, I can't put it on my list. I mean, if I rewatch them, Understandable. Week, I'll put them on. I saw Knocked Up three times in theaters. Um, again, he mixes, not, not so much 40-year-old virgin, but he mixes, I think, drama and comedy really well. And this is the best example of that. I just think it's hilarious. And I also think it's a very interesting look at this situation of a one-night stand where something like this might happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it's not completely realistic, but I think 
There's some merit to it, and I really, really love Paul Rudd in the movie. I okay, love I was Paul Rudd and everything. I was going to ask, if, is Paul Rudd in this film? <laughs> but of course he is. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Paul Rudd is me in this movie. He gets caught, they think he's cheating on his wife, and it turns out he's at a fantasy baseball draft. Uh, <laughs> he has to admit to going to the movies by himself. That one's uh, not... Oh, I'm thinking of I Love You, Man. That's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great movie, too. But it is. I love, he's like, Hideki Matsui. Oh, man, I took Matsui three rounds ago. <laughs> I just love Paul Rudd in that movie. It's amazing. Uh, well, my number two is Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. <laughs> I wonder where that is for you. Um, just uh, right. well, I don't a, a very funny film. Um it shows that Scorsese, he's still kicking. I mean, he's he's doing awesome. Just, I mean, I know we'll definitely hear more about it from you, uh, at least in a little bit. <laughs> but, and Jonah Hill, I really like Jonah Hill in this. I think this is one of his better, better performances. Yeah. Um, of course, um, what's his name? Leonardo. Uh, da Vinci, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's he's awesome in this. I, I don't know. It's just a, it's a good film. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, it's amazing, and we'll get to the, more of that in a little bit. But my number two is Super Bad. Super Bad. I have not seen the entire film. Oh, so are you kidding me? I didn't put it on. Uh, everyone keeps on telling me about it because I always wear cargo shorts, <laughs> and they keep saying there's a cargo short scene in there that I don't know. Like, I think that. It's like an Apatow film that wasn't made by Apatow. It's like... It's funnier than Knocked Up, I think, but not as good of a story. And to me, it's like a coin flip between the two, like which one I would have higher for different reasons. But I went with Superbad just because the chemistry between Michael Cera and Jonah Hill is incredible. And I just think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. So, I don't know. (laughs) Well... My number one, now for some reason, I don't know why this is on the list. I don't know if he's in this film. Django? It's my, uh, in parentheses, tied with my number one because okay. he was only in an v- incredibly short scene. He was part of the Ku Klux Klan with oh, the hood. Okay. Like he was in it for literally a minute. Oh, really? Okay. okay. So I, I I couldn't justify putting it completely on the and list. And I fully agree, I, sh- I shouldn't do it either. Um, well, I mean. Because I didn't put a 40 year old virgin because I know he was. I think just was, in the the eBay store for one scene. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, then I shouldn't put Django. So Wolf of Wall Street's my number one. Okay. I don't have a number five. That's <laughs> all right. I mean, knocked up. We'll do. We'll do knocked up. On my letterbox rankings, where I rank all of Jonah Hills and every top five we do of actors uh, movies, I put Django in that because it is part of his filmography, but. As far as the show, I can't really say, oh man, he made this movie, you know. I fully <clears throat> understand. So if you do want to look at all my list and complete, you can follow me on Letterboxd at The Oriole Report. But my number one is The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Tell you us said, why. Because <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. I don't know. We said a lot about it when we reviewed it, and I stand by every word, even though I can't remember any word that I said. I guarantee you, it's worth listening to. Um, Which episode is that for the listeners? I can look it up. 83. Tweet me, and uh, and I'll get back to you, (laughs) if you really want to know. But 
Margot Robbie, I think she's amazing, breaks onto the scene. Yeah. Amazing good. looking and acting. And, uh, True. Leonardo DiCaprio, one of my favorite actors. He's just, it's another one right out of the park. He's the Barry Bonds. <laughs> Check him for steroids because, man, he hits them all out of the park. But he doesn't get any Oscars. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought he deserved to win an Oscar for actor last year. I, I nah, would, I didn't because I, I had the guy from Twelve Years to Sleep. Yeah, I would not say he deserved it for this one, but I wouldn't have been upset. Let's say if he won, but other years he deserves it. Like which year? Every year. <laughs> the Aviator. Uh, I thought he did a great job in that. Catch me if you can. I think there's so many. Everything. So many. Everything. But any honorable mentions? I didn't put any honorable. Mentions. I have a lot. I bet <laughs> you do. Um. Okay, so I have How to Train Your Dragon, one and two. Okay. He's a voice in that. Uh, is he a dragon? He's not. Oh, he's not? The dragons don't talk in oh. How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> the Lego Movie, Cyrus, Walk Hard. Dewey Cox. <laughs> the Dewey Cox story. Four-Year-Old Virgin, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Grandma's Boy. Okay. I think Grandma's Boy is criminally underrated as well. I can't even think of Grandma's Boy, so I don't know. It's a pothead movie, but it, it's just really funny, I think. Um, so, if you have any issues with our top fives, or you want to give us your own Jonah Hill top five, please tweet at us at the Red Box Report, or me personally at the Order Report. So, on to our next review Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. Yes, the sequel, Nine Years in the Making. Yes, the Sin City. You loved the original Sin City. I I really did like Sin City, yes. I um, did as well. When I was thinking about it though, I don't remember any any of the story. Do you? I don't I do. I literally remember nothing. Well, watching the second one helped me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some stuff that's dim, but I do remember the nasty man in yellow. Yeah. Um, I remember Frodo Baggins. <laughs> What's did they thing? show who the, the yellow guy's father was then? I don't think so. I don't think okay. they did. Um, but the guy... Who's the guy? Dempsey? Main, main, he, his, name, his name was Dempsey. No, who's uh, Frodo play? What's that? Elijah Wood. Yeah. He played a really terrifying guy with red eyes. And then there was... I remember the samurai girl. And I remember Mick, Mickey Rourke and, mm-hmm. and Bruce Willis and yeah. Clive Owen. Well, um, but the main thing about it, I feel, is the art and visual works of Sin City. Incredible, right, outstanding, amazing, it's like truly. a comic book come to life with black and white with splashes of color. The first one, with, with very creative like uses of only limiting the color. Yes, uh, incredible, truly incredible. Um, now this one, Sin City, a dame to kill for is about and it's a little bit hard so if you can uh help me out with it um yeah, there's basically four converging stories one you have um joseph gordon levitt he is this lucky fast guy. talking lucky guy who turns out to be um the son of some senator you then have bruce willis's um and eva greens is it eva uh, I think you want to say Jessica Alba. Is it Jessica Alba? The stripper. Is it Je- okay? Yeah, yeah. Jessica Alba's um, 
Jessica the stripper Alba. that doesn't strip. <laughs> Jessica Alba and uh, Bruce Willis. They were lovers. Bruce Willis has been killed, as in the first one, uh, or um, I think in between the first one and this one, or it wasn't something. Whatever happened. Um, the ghost and the sixth sense, Bruce Willis. <laughs> she, Jessica Alba, is trying to get back at the senator by killing him. Um, you then have Josh Brolin's uh, character, character who's um, playing the Clive Owen character from oh, the first one. That's what it was, pre or post surgery or whatever facial surgery. Okay, I remember. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. That was throw. Okay, um, you have his. <laughs> I don't really, I, I don't. Rem, I mean, his was so boring, to be honest. His with the Eva Green stuff. Yeah, I I liked it. I his him his section and Jessica Alba's were just boring. Jessica Alba's was really boring. Yeah. Um, so whatever theirs was, I don't know. <laughs> and, and Mickey Rourke. And then Mickey Rourke, which he kind of got intertwined between all of them. Very short segments. Um, he started out the film awesome opening. I thought he. His narration, I love his narration. Um, throughout this whole film, there's a lot of monologues. Um, I just, I felt like I don't know if it was useful, if it was necessary. I don't know if it was the same in the first one, but I thought the dialogue was not very good in this. It was very patchy. There were some parts where I thought the monologues were really good, and then all of a sudden, when they would start talking to each other, it seemed out of place. Um, I don't know, it just didn't... It almost seemed like this film tried to do what the first film did, but then emphasize everything. They wanted to make it so comic booky. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the visuals, especially in the beginning, were extremely comic booky, uh, way too much. A lot of like CGI, different things. Uh, as the film progressed, then it kind of went back to the original and was more on the beautiful side. Uh, but I still actually like the visuals in the first half I liked, anyway. I like the visuals um, still a little bit, but I thought it looked better in the first one. And how is that possible ten years later? Oh, it definitely looked better in the first um, one. Because they were trying to do way too much. A hundred percent like 300 and 300 yes. Rise of an Empire. Yep. 300 was outstanding in their visuals. It was new, it was different. And then they tried to do it way more in They Rise used of way Empire. too much color in this. They did. They went to that... Well, way too often, whereas in the first one, it, they really used it conveniently and creatively. This mm -hmm. was just like, this random girl is in color. Is for in some blue, reason. yeah. You when, know? And it meant nothing. Right. It meant no In the first one, the colors When meant you saw stuff. color, you know, okay, this is important. This is yeah. going to be awesome. Something mm -hmm. like that. But I got to say, I still actually like the visuals. It's not as good, but I still... Yeah, not I bad. Liked it. It, not bad. To me, it was still the best part to get me interested. Yeah, best part. Maybe not best part, but best part to me was the Joseph Gordon-Levitt stuff. His section was awesome. It was way too short, though. I felt like one of the shorter ones. You had it was about maybe five minutes near the beginning, and then and for then the rest of the movie, nothing was mentioned about it, and I didn't until understand a ten or fifteen minute section. Exactly, very very late in the yeah. film. It this there was a huge disconnect that I didn't like. I did yeah, not like I that did at all. not like how the stories were chopped up. Mm -hmm. I either it's weird. I either wish they were completely segregated, where it's like tell this story, fade to black, tell but, this story, or seem make it more seamless and like integrate them more. Yeah. I felt like it was caught in between. Oh, it definitely was. 
Um, um, they should have cut out one one of the sections. Jessica Alba's definitely <laughs> Jessica Alba's, um, and then maybe made it like you said, focused on each one of the three, or have them kind of be more cohesive. Yeah, um, have them intertwine way more than they did. Yeah, um, which it was really patchy. Where yeah, like like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's five minutes here and then fifteen minutes at the end. But Mickey Rourke's main thing is all in the, up front in the beginning, and then pieces here and there. Yeah. Jessica Alba's like the entire end. It was like weird. Yeah, um, and I, I really liked Mickey Rourke in this. I really enjoyed all of his parts. He played this character so perfectly. I love the character. Um, I wish there was more of him. Absolutely, uh, especially him against the Allstate guy. There's no <laughs> Allstate guy. Ving Rhames. It was supposed to be this big epic fight. I mean, you, it felt like it. It felt like, my God. I mean, when Allstate guy beat up Jeff Rowling, it was like, of course, he's Allstate guy. But then, when Dempsey came in, it was like, oh, man, this is a great match. And then it was over in a matter of seconds. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, that was I kind just of... felt, my only thing against uh, the Mickey Rourke character, it just seemed like his stuff opened up the movie, and it just seemed so inconsequential. Oh, absolutely. Like, there was nothing... What was whereas this? in the first movie, it was, like, really important to him where he went to see the preacher guy, right? Mm-hmm. And this, it was just like, oh, here I am again, getting thrown out a window, you know? Like, it just was, like, yeah, something he, that didn't mean anything to anything. Well, what, what didn't make sense to me was that he didn't know what was happening to him. Like, why is he in this place at this time? Right. And... It didn't matter why he didn't know. Was he drugged? Who cares, right? But that, to yeah. me, should have mattered. It was a little off. Um, but yeah, it it seemed like I was missing chunks. Mm-hmm. Big chunks of the film. Um, and and like I said, I, everybody knows I'm a huge Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, but he really, his stuff really was great. Yeah, and uh, just because his character was awesome. Yeah, he was um, cocky. And he played it well. He did yeah. play it well. Especially when he would just go up to those machines and... Yeah, and doom, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the gambling scenes... The poker scenes, awesome. Loved them. Awesome. The senator... The senator actually was an awesome villain. He, he was. He, he played was. it really well. Yeah. And I did like the Josh Brolin and Eva Green stuff. Not incredibly. Not a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I think she's a really good actress at, at elevating terrible material. She's, like, so good at bringing life to stuff that probably shouldn't. Well, that's the one thing. I think everyone in this film actually was a good actor and actress, even Jessica Alba. Uh, it's just so, some of the material was really bad. Yeah, yeah. So it was so disconnected and choppy. Um, it was very dry and boring. Uh, but I don't think any of the actors or actresses, it was not, none of their faults, I don't think. Yeah, I can't really say... that. A performance was necessarily bad, but and, the, and I the think, writing was not good. And I think the reason for that is the first one it was one of Frank Miller's comic books. This one was two stories meshed together. Right. Um, and because you're meshing together two, it's going to be really disconnected. Why do that? Why have just one? Yeah, I agree. And the, it's really weird how Eva Green is like... Naked the entire movie. Yeah. And then Jessica Alba, a stripper, is not naked at all. And I'm not saying, oh my God, what the heck, I need to see Jessica Alba naked. I'm saying either... She's pretty good though, Eva. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying, like, have some consistency. I'd say either have neither of them be naked at all or be consistent in this world. Is it a 
yeah, the world, world where this is going to be shown skin or not. The world was a, was kind of in, inconsistent. Uh, Dempsey setting it up. I mean, he's he's describing this town as the most hardcore town. Uh, when he's chasing those uh, college kids and someone shoots an arrow at him and he, he gives the sign like, hey, I'm from this part of town. You don't have to do anything. Let's kill these guys. Yeah. It felt like there was this... It, it set up this town. And then for the rest of the film, that town was non-existent, it seemed. It was Pretty a completely much, yeah. different town. Rosario Dawson makes a, a small appearance as one of the girls from Sin City. And they bring back... Um, I can't remember her name, but the the ninja girl, samurai chick, who has some pretty awesome action scenes where she's cutting heads off and yeah, stuff. The action, I like the action. Yeah, the action was pretty for good. For the most part, except sometimes I think Dempsey one time squeezes someone's head and smashes it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some of that, like, they would go to white uh, and then black, all black, all white kind of type thing mm -hmm. with some contrast. I don't know. And the Jessica Alba stuff, really bad. Uh, why everyone in this every main character in this movie is incredible at fighting and shooting she's I know they showed her training but she's not going to be this like killer assassin and badass all of a sudden with that unlimited amount of arrows <laughs> right um, it just was unrealistic to me and, and while some of the action was pretty decent it just it was really dumb to me. I did not like it at all. And to be honest, I hated Bruce Willis actually. Me too. I hated Why even have him in here? It was That was really dumb. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, I still enjoyed the film. I mean, I It I, was watchable, I'll say that. I I still like the visuals. Even though it's nowhere near as good as the first one, I still like there could have been a great great film in this there could have been a really great film and i i like the i like the characters i liked how they talked that that kind of noir type of feel i liked it i did and i i feel like there could have been such a better film and because of that i still always was like i was glued to it i was ready to see the great part that was going to come right and it, and there were great parts i mean Joseph Gordon-Levitt's part was awesome. Dempsey's parts were almost always awesome, in my opinion. So, what would you give it? It's. I'm gonna have to give it a seven, I think, though. Yeah, I'm at a six. Six. I'm a six out of ten, but but that sounds worse than I actually mean it because mm -hmm. I did enjoy watching it. It just some stuff was really bad and some stuff was boring, but there was a lot of stuff that I really liked, and believe it or not. I wouldn't be upset if they made it a third one. Oh, I want them to make a third one. I think it they can make... It sounds crazy after I kind of... They can make a really good one. They I still think they could do A great one. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But... Yeah. I almost feel like um, The Watchmen could do this kind of version, you know, of comic book type film. Because uh, it almost feels like that's what they were trying to do in the beginning of The Watchmen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. With the stylized, like, a punch from this guy is harder than... Yeah. I know what you mean. But I'd say if you if you like the first one, it's worth a watch. Just don't expect it to be as good. Mm-hmm. Fully agree. So if you agree or disagree with any of our reviews of 22 Jump Street or Sin City at Aim to Kill For, or just have a question for us in general, you can shoot us an email at theredboxreport at yahoo.com. 
and we will answer it or discuss it on the next podcast. So let's get to the film club segment. Yes. Eraserhead. Eraserhead. David Lynch, uh, you had recommended me one of his kind of um, crazy films, Mahala Drive. Uh, so I thought maybe I would recommend you one that I, I liked that's kind of crazy and psychedelic in a it way. It is weird. Very weird. He doesn't know anything else but weird, well. apparently. I actually think this is only the second movie of his I've seen after Mulholland Drive. Now, you, if you look at his list, you Elephant see Man... I'm pretty sure I've seen most of as a kid, but I don't remember you, much. I mean, when you told me he made Elephant Man, because I and I saw it, you I think you should go back and rewatch it. Maybe I should too. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was from the 1920s. He made that era. He made it feel like yeah, a he did. long time. From ago. what I remember, black and white, right? Yeah. Yeah. He likes uh, black and white. I want to see Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen uh, even um, the TV show that he made. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Oh, so. yeah. When I saw he made Twin Peaks, that's on Netflix, Insta-Kill. I have that. I'm ready to watch <laughs> it. I actually hear good things about it. Yeah, I have too. So. But well, I think if you look at his list, you've seen a couple. I don't think so. Because I've definitely seen more than I two. looked, man. Really? I'm yeah. surprised that I've seen more than you then. I loved Mulholland Drive. We know that. Yes. And um, the thing is, here's why I haven't rushed out to watch more of his movies. Because even Mulholland Drive, while I loved it, it's a difficult film. It it's is. a movie that's weird. You got to digest it. You're going to have to think. You're going to have to really analyze it if you want to get everything out of and it. And then there's still, I feel like, no real answer. Yeah. So and it's I not the most crowd pleasing yeah. <laughs> movies, but Eraserhead is even more esoteric than Mulholland Drive. I think. in certain ways, but yeah. I I think it's actually a more grounded version, <laughs> which is Way crazy more to say. Grounded. But basically it's about a guy who is a he, loner who's scared of everything. Tell me if I'm wrong in any of my descriptions because it's a, nothing that's blatantly obvious. Well, I mean, it's basically this guy, and he, he finds out that he's impregnated this woman. Yeah. Uh, this woman has given birth to a monstrous creature. Um, it will they not get stop crying. Yeah, they get together, they try to raise it, but it is crazy how bad this uh, little monster is. Drives his wife insane, she leaves she him leaves. alone with the baby. And then he starts to get uh, feelings for the woman next door, goes after her. Uh, I feel like she didn't really have much, she yeah. didn't want too much to do with it, and went off with other people. Yeah. And then, then it goes into a whole bunch of crazy nightmares for this guy, basically. I mean, it's all different illusions or... Uh, the lady in the radiator, the, yeah. the dream he has where his head gets chopped off and uh, the yeah. baby's head comes out of his body, which yeah. is so creepy and crazy. And at one point, he uh, he takes off a bandage or something and organs just spill out of the baby. I think he it's because the, the baby doesn't have any skin. It's, this was, regicide. This was all the internal He's part the of the baby. Slayer. Yeah. And then the monster grows and grows and grows after he kills it, and yeah. then he hugs the radiator lady, and it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, And then when you think about it, because if you know a little bit about this film and the the time he made it, um, this was when he was a father to be. Yeah. Uh, and so was, it's basically about the fears of being a parent. Exactly. And, and uh, so does that mean that this baby wasn't even that deformed? Maybe it was a just a normal looking baby, and that this is just in his imagination right. or maybe this never maybe the baby hasn't even been born yet 
Um, this is or just a spirit. Just, it's all a dream. Or it is what it is, but it's a metaphor for true life. Yeah. Because as a parent of a young child... I think it is more of just a metaphor. I don't think it was yeah. a dream or anything like that. The baby was a monster and <laughs> yeah. it needed to be killed. It needed to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> it... It re I really loved all the stuff with the parenting parallels because, man, it really speaks oh. speaks to it. Yeah, the, that baby. The fears and the anxieties and the stresses of having a young child. That baby it crying is, was making me angry. <laughs> it's crazy. And I, luckily my daughter slept pretty much through the night right away. Mm -hmm. And still it's like you stressed and anxious and there will be times when they just a baby will not stop crying and you don't know what to do. And it drives you crazy, and I think this movie did a fantastic job of really putting that point home, and uh, mm -hmm. that was fantastic. But the way it opens up was really weird. It's like a planet, and then his head floating in space, and then a guy pulling levers inside of this planet. and uh, Wasn't that towards the end, I thought? In the beginning and end. Oh, okay. And, like, these sperm-looking things kept coming out of his mouth, and... Well, that's the baby being made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the the weirdness continues with the ra radiator lady. Like the big cheeks. Like all the, the sperm point. worms keep falling yeah, down, yeah. and she's like stomping them and squishing them. Yeah. What does that signify? That uh, oh, that women are the. She's, I'm trying to think. Uh, she, he's lusting for the girl next door. And this is his subconscious stomping on his little jizz thing saying, don't do it, don't do it. Or, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. But I do think there is more concrete answers than Mahalo Drive. Um, Mahalo Drive is just what? I don't think so, because I feel like I know exactly what happened to Mahalo Drive. But you do? Yeah, I'm that's didn't sure. someone tell you. Like, I listened to a podcast. Where so you, they, but it's a, that right. podcast. I don't, it that's just makes one sense to me. Opinion. So that movie makes more sense to me than this. No, this movie makes sense. I mean, not completely everything, but it does. It's about parenting and the fears of parenting and the fears of of commitment as well. Commitment to mm -hmm. this this woman that he's married because of the child. It's a fear of commitment because well, look, he's. The parent, the girl's mom is trying to kiss him. Uh, the girl next door is like seducing him. Not even if it, she's doing it on purpose, but she is mm -hmm. getting him hot and bothered. And yeah, uh, yeah it, this movie, I liked it a lot. You I did. liked it a lot. Yeah. How, now, uh, how did you like the baby itself? The effects are awesome. You, you, really, you did like really them? awesome practical effects. Back, I think back in the seventies, nineteen seventy, I thought. Maybe, yeah. I, yeah. I definitely know it was in the 70s. But, man, yeah, especially, like, <laughs> with the scene when his head gets chopped off and then it's uh, the monster head in his body and stuff. Mm -hmm. well, I love, Crazy. I love it's so creepy crawly. Like, it is, It's, yeah. like, unsettling, even though it's not like, oh, my God, it's, mon it's not... It's not it's a so terrifying weird monster, how but it's a creepy... It's low-key terrifying. <laughs> like, and the, the blood. Whenever there's blood and how it bubbles. Oh, yeah. It bubbles. It's so nasty and bubbling blood, and I think that's like signifying how nasty it is to have a child because they're shitting and peeing and uh, spitting up at every opportunity. It's just yeah, yeah. It really, it's it's taking normal things and the fears of them to an extreme, 
Mm-hmm. It's a sing fight. Now, what about the sounds? Do you do you know? Did anything stick out with the sounds of the film? Sound design was amazing. Really? Okay. Because I loved how I loved how quiet it was, how little dialogue it was, how when the sounds were there, it was for a purpose, and they made it count. You know. Well, I mean, because there was a lot of silence, but then there was a lot of crescendos. Uh, I believe this. Yeah. The world was like. I don't think it's a normal world like ours. It's like a post-apocalyptic almost. And you could hear the wind outside of yeah. the building extremely loud at parts. Uh, and it kept getting louder and louder. But it created this eeriness. It created a very large, dark, gloomy feeling. It was just wind. It was gloomy. The sound was so dynamic. There will be things, like in levels, where... This is quiet. This is louder. This is a different level. This is really loud. This is really quiet. You know, and it's mixing mm-hmm. all together so perfectly, like a real world uh, feel, even though it's nothing like a real world. Mm-hmm. Like the baby's cries were at the perfect level of volume. You know, everything sound-wise was just perfectly designed. Absolutely. And visually, it's stunning <laughs> for a black and the black and white was all looked great. Looked really yeah, good. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. I'm glad it was in black and white. Um, Hell of a haircut on that guy, too. And you know what? I, I, <laughs> if you see a picture of David Lynch, that's kind of how his hair almost oh, really? is. Yeah, <laughs> he has that type of hair. Wow. Um. <laughs> the acting, acting again, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just a lot of uh, reactions and and facial expressions to get pointed across and, and body language. The acting itself... It's not amazing. No, it's not, but it doesn't matter. It didn't need to be. It was good enough. The, he's a good enough director to tell the story without needing the actors to go above and beyond. Exactly. He knows where to put the cameras. And this in. was his directorial debut. Yeah. Um, uh, this might have made that list we did, or at least an honorable mention. For me, it did. I think, yeah, I I think, think it, it did. made my top five. Yeah. Um, the main actor, it was a little odd. A little he's bit. obviously supposed to be. Oh my god, how about the scene at the dinner when it's all these little chickens? Oh and he's my cutting gosh. it and it starts oozing and, and it starts moving and yeah. And the dad's like, What are you doing? Why can't you, you know, like <laughs> the whole thing was just so weird. Yeah. That oh my god. I don't know. Every and weird in a good way. And especially the the second or the last third is more of just several different scenes. Excuse me. Several different scenes, just nightmares that this guy's having that were like the the chicken. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the baby, like you said, the, his head exploding, um, all different things. That that like that picked up for me there. That's that's yeah. And even though I don't like crazy type films like this, I really enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, I did too. I just love because every every single thing about the movie is like a metaphor. Like you can read into like every little thing what is this supposed to mean and you start thinking about it and maybe it's completely different than what he meant mm-hmm. but it's fun to think about that kind of stuff and and at least from the two movies of his that I've seen that's how all of his movies seem to be no, or, I mean, these two anyway I mean he has a lot of normal films actually I heard Blue Velvet's a little more straightforward so I, I, don't, I haven't seen Blue Velvet but and if you look at his list, you'll you'll see some that you at least know about that are normal. Right. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's good. Know. That's good. So what would you give it? Well, I, I had written down an 8 out of 10, but I feel like it's got to be a little bit higher than that. Because 
it's grown in my estimation since I watched it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So I'll say eight and a half. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think it's an eight and a half, maybe a light nine. Um, I wouldn't quite go that far. Yeah, I, I, I understand. But yeah, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Yep. What is my next recommendation? Your next one, have you seen Cool Hand Luke? No. Paul Newman. I'm a huge Paul Newman fan. This is possibly his best performance. Okay. Possibly. Um, the film, I think, is a, it's a really good film. But it's more about his performance. Better than uh, The Hustler? As a film, I would say no. But as a performance, yeah. Okay. I well, think so. That's really cool. But uh, in the next episode, you'll be reviewing The Sting, a Paul Newman joint. <laughs> oh, it is. I, fr- I didn't even think about that. It's uh, Paul Newman and, the you know, Robert Redford. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even... Come from 1974 or something like that. I, well, maybe we can do it uh, in two weeks, depending on what our top five is. We can do a top five Paul Newman, if you've we, seen enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And you definitely should. It's a definite possibility, for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's about that. Um, what else have you watched? This week? Yeah, this <laughs> this week. Um, I watched a couple new releases that came out on Redbox that the that also came out on Redbox this week. Uh, <laughs> I watched Earth to Echo. Oh my gosh, you did? Yes, this is the Spielbergian tale of uh, these three kids who who are going to be forced from this condominium because they're going to knock it down to build a casino or something like that, and uh, they have their last week together. So they're going to go on a little mission. Something happens with their cell phones. Signals get knocked out, and they're going to go investigate. And it's basically a mix of E.T., Super 8, and that's probably it. But it's they go, and they find this little robot alien thing who wants all he wants to do is get home. E.T., phone home. Earth the Echo, going home. Uh, <laughs> So they are helping this little guy find his parts to rebuild his spaceship and and go home. But the adversaries are the the corporation that's building uh, the casino or whatever it is that's forcing them to leave. So it's it's not good. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, you seem really like into this. Like you know every detail. Well, I watched it. So. I hope, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I just got it because it seemed like something my daughter would, might like. She she liked the scenes with the with Echo. But uh, it was a 5 out of 10 for me. Hmm. It's hearts in the right place. It's just too much of a Spielberg ripoff wannabe. Mm-hmm. Wannabe. So that's about that. Okay. Well, I did watch uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. You did. I did, and you are 100% accurate in your description of it. Um, I thought so. I mean, you are literally, the parts I thought were funny were the exact parts you thought were funny, like the um, prostitute. The prostitute, and how they're they're saving themselves, but she's a prostitute. uh, The one time he goes, Oh my God, your breath. And she's like, Oh, I just gave a blowjob. Yeah. The jokes about how there's so many different ways to die in the West. Funny, sort of, For at the first. first 10, 15 minutes. And then it just gets too old. Um, 
you were, you were just you were completely right. I did not really enjoy it. How bad is the diarrhea scene? Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> all, I mean, they did a lot of poop jokes, a lot of poop yeah, and fart jokes. I know. Surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, but kind of. It's not my favorite kind of humor at all. I really don't tend to like it. The only time I think is is in Dumb and Dumber when. Uh, when he has, and even that is not my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, I mean it can be done right. Yeah, I mean it's I'm not like close to. Oh my gosh, he shouldn't be talking about poop. And <laughs> I mean I'm not like that. But, but I'm I mean, not an infant, and that's the only thing that makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, I also watched Happy Christmas, another new release for Redbox. Mm -hmm. This is a Joe Swanberg follow-up to Drinking Buddies, which I liked a lot. Last year at the Maryland Film Festival, I'll say that every time it comes up. And this is, this brings back the same actress from Drinking Buddies that was also in Up in the Air. Uh, um, Anna Kendrick. It brings back Anna Kendrick, uh, who's great in this. She was in Drinking Buddies? Mm hmm. She was. She was not as, she was kind of. Uh, she was a main character, or one of the main... Uh, she was the main guy's girlfriend. Hmm. Did you see it? I haven't seen Dragon Ball. Uh, you should check it out. I thought it was like a younger person's film, but with like, younger people. 30s, young, high 20s, early mm -hmm. 30s. But she's back in this where she's moving in with her brother for the holidays. Um, who Her brother is Jerry Swanberg, the director. He's also the main actor. And his wife and young child. And she's just, just a fuck up. She's like into drinking and smoking weed and partying. But but she's living in their basement. And What's wrong with that? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing yeah. at all. But it's just a really small indie story about us, these relationships, these characters, and how their relationships develop over the course of this time span. And I loved it. Loved it? Uh, maybe not loved it, but I really, really liked it a lot. I was surprised how much I liked it. Like, there's almost no reason for me to like it as much as I did. I just felt like some of these characters uh, really connected close to her. They, like, and not everything together, but like her character reminded me of my one cousin, and then this other guy reminded me of another cousin. It just reminded me things from when I was growing up, and it felt re it was really realistic to me, the way they interacted and and their characters. And I don't know, it's just a great in indie movie. When I just said last week how they have their ceiling, this broke a little bit through that ceiling. Hmm. It's a light eight and a half for me. That's good. It's That's such a small, simple story, but it just works so well for me. And I can understand if it doesn't work for everybody. But aren't those some of the best, though? Yes, because I feel like even even somehow somehow an eight and a half is somehow better than nine and a half sometimes. Because it, it just feels like it's my movie. Exactly. You know. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm looking on Letterbox and I'm seeing two and a half, three, three and a half. I was the only one that had anything higher than a three and a half, and I'm like, man, I, yeah, I'm. That makes me think well maybe I'm wrong but at the same time it makes me think hey but that's like, awesome that you... I liked the movie this much yeah I saw something in it that maybe not everyone else did. and that's the thing before this podcast I used to find those films all the time mm -hmm. uh, now I think we're a little bit more regimented so I I don't find them as often Sorry, um, 
But they, that was like those are the greatest moments. Sometimes and you just find those type of films. Yeah, I'm I, glad. That's nice that you found one. Yeah, and I'd recommend it to anyone. You might not love it, but I do think you'll find something. You might find it. Hey, nothing happens in this movie. Oh, this is boring. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily that's all I want looking for in a movie. I think it has great character development and uh, a nice simple story. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. That's good. Uh, I watched Along Came the Spider with Morgan Freeman and uh, Judd Dodd. What? Ashley Judd. No, it's um. What's her name? What's she? That's Miss Congeniality. Um, what's her name? She's a huge actress. <laughs> one of the biggest actresses. I hate her. I hate you her. You do. Gravity. Oh my. Sandra Bullock. Sandra, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I a completely different looking Sandra Bullock. She had blonde hair. What um, the hell? <laughs> well, didn't she? She had it in what, Runaway Bride, didn't and she? And Blindside. So I guess oh, I, never mind. <laughs> I guess um, it's just every other movie. Yeah. This is a... It's a... Have you seen it? No. It's a crime thriller where... Uh, a giant spider kills people. <laughs> uh, uh, this girl gets kidnapped by this um, kidnapper who wants to kind of be the most famous person ever, but it's not making sense why he kidnapped this girl. Morgan Fre- Freeman comes in as a uh, profiler, one of the greatest profilers in mankind, it seems like. Um, and then you have... Uh, I've now already forgot her name again. What's her name? Sandra. <laughs> Sandra. Uh, she's kind of a profiler, too. There's a heck of a lot of twists and turns. Some of them you see, some of you don't. It doesn't seem like people really like this film. I sort of do. I thought, I mean, I like the twists and turns. I think Morgan Freeman, just... this was before, I mean, Morgan Freeman has been big for a long time. But this is before the last, like, four years when he's now in every last little thing, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. It just seems like another one of those 90s crime dramas. It is. That was a big trend back in that era. I mean, it almost, it is. It is exactly that. Like the Bone Collector. But I I, I think the twists and turns are somewhat surprising, in a way. Okay. Taking Lives, remember that one? They all blend together. A lot of them, yeah. But (laughs) I, I think... I mean, if you're going to... It was just a watch, I think, right before a football game. Um, so, if you're going to just sit there good, and watch uh, a TV movie... Pre-gamer? Yeah. Nice. Well, I didn't watch anything else new. Everything else I watched, which I watched... Seven other things. Rewatches. Ooh. Yeah. That's a lot in a week. I know, because I had off Thursday... And then Saturday after work, and then all day Sunday, basically did nothing but lay in bed and watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this was. Have you seen? Did you have anything else? I do. I go on a tangent. You want to just say it? Okay. Get it over with. No. Uh, I yet. watched a documentary called Bert's Buzz. Do you know Bert's Bees? No. The chapstick. Bert's Bees. Yes. Okay. Chapstick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually much more than a chapstick company. It is a huge, gigantic company throughout the world. I only know of it uh, as uh, the the chapstick, but it is gigantic. They have all different types of honeys and um, skincare and whatever. Uh, but it started out as this guy, Bert, who was this thespian kind of uh, hippie guy who up in Maine... And his roommate, Ernie. Uh, uh, no, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> just selling honey on the side of a road um, eventually was making a good deal of money 
got involved this, with this woman who really was an incredible looking. Um, not, no, not really an incredible looking woman. Sorry, uh, she's uh, like financial guru type thing. But I mean, at the time, she was just a normal woman. But she made this gigantic company out of this guy Bert. Um, and so, the so doc- really, they needed each other to create this. Well, he didn't care. He he was a right. hippie. He didn't care about he just was he he liked to sleep in his truck <laughs> while he sold honey throughout the day. That's like that's all he cared. Yeah. Uh, but so the documentary is now about where he is now. He got gypped out of like three hundred million dollars. Doesn't really care about the three hundred million dollars or whatever it was. Principle. But cares that the woman he kind of loved kind of stole it from him right. in a way. They'll do that to you. They will yeah. do that to you. But it's uh, it's really a character look, not really at Burt's Bees itself, but this guy, Burt, who's now 80 years old, um, and who he is. But then it's also about the effect he has on people uh, and the characters he's affecting. Uh, there's this one woman who is, she is in love with Burt. I mean, not, not in love romantically, but looks up to him like he's the greatest idol because he made it. He was just this, you know, small town kid who eventually became worth millions, even though he didn't become worth three, four hundred million like he should have been. But um, I don't know. There's just so many different characters. There's so much that it looks into. It's an extremely slow documentary. Extremely oh, slow. But that's because that's who he is. I mean, he lives in... I mean, he, even though he is worth, I think, like 13, 14 million, um, he doesn't have... Uh, heated water. He doesn't have electricity. No air conditioning. None of that. He lives in a one-room house that basically is shed. Uh, but he does have a uh, has like a butler type guy who right. helps care for stuff. Um, and it's like it's this crazy. I, I liked it. I, it's not the best I've ever seen, but it, it was good. It was a good watch. Would I like? Would I like it? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't know. There's That's no, all I needed to Most hear. people would not like it. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Gremlins and Gremlins 2. You did watch them. Watched them back to back. Finally, broke out the Blu-ray that my sister bought me for Christmas last year. Almost a year later. I watched... It was a triple pack with Gremlins, Gremlins 2, and the Goonies. I watched the Goonies when you recommended it to me, and now it looks good on Blu-ray. Not fantastic, but it was a good upgrade. Um, Gremlins, one of the best. It's in my top 100. I think it's in my top 50, actually. Um, just a great campy horror movie with comedic elements. It reminds me a lot. It has a similar vibe to the original Child's Play. Hmm. Just in tone and. It's, is it? Is the isn't the second one more comedic? Yes. I want to say, I, lo- I love them both. I give Gremlins 9.5 out of 10, Borderline 10, and Gremlins 2 a 9 out of 10. Really? Yeah. You might have to let me For, borrow them. Okay. Because I don't remember anything really about them. Uh, it's been a long time. I mean, 13, 14 years maybe. Yeah. So. Definitely Gremlins has like a late 80s feel to it, which I like that I like that era in, in movies. The first one is, it's heavy on horror with great comedy. The second one's like heavy on the comedy with some elements of horror. Um, but the second one, it just, it's, when I was younger, I thought a lot less of it, even though I thought it was 
funnier. It almost was like the Ninja Turtles 2 of its time, I thought. But now looking back, it's just so tongue-in-cheek because Joe Dante directed both of them. And, and I don't think he wanted to do the sequel. Mm-hmm. So he's basically just making a complete mock of uh, of sequels by doing this and just saying, okay, you want a sequel? I'll give you a sequel. And I just, I think it's, it goes so crazy and batshit that it's incredibly enjoyable. Uh, I love them both. So moving on, you were there for this, Beethoven. Oh, I was. I yeah. forgot about that. Um, I don't think I've watched the whole thing though. Yeah, I think you left before it was over like a punk. Uh, but this was a movie I liked a lot as a kid. I just remember a scene where a dog saves a girl from drowning, and it's just one of those movies that you watch a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. So cheesy now. It's so cheesy, but I still liked it. I still liked it because Charles Grodin really makes the movie. The father. Yeah, he's so good. He's in Midnight Run. Uh, everything he's in, he's he's a really funny guy. And nostalgia, I'll completely admit, held this up. I still give it a seven out of ten. Probably one, at least a point or two of nostalgia there. Hmm. And then we watched Beethoven's second, Beethoven. the sequel, which I can't even let nostalgia hold it up because I did watch that one a lot as a kid. But this one's even cheesier and even was, uh, was anyone the same? Everyone. Wow. <laughs> they brought everyone back. Which, even Bonnie Hunt. Yeah, Bonnie Hunt, Charles Grodin, the kids. Um, different villains but this one is Beethoven meets a girl they have puppies and and they're gonna get them puppies too and uh, hmm. it's not good not good at all but still nostalgia get 5 out of 10 hmm. I watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas the animated one okay you're watching it now you gotta wait it was on you gotta wait <clears throat> it was on but I had no idea this movie was like a half an hour. It is? Yeah, it's it's just a half an hour cartoon movie. Hmm. I didn't really, I don't, I mean, obviously I'd seen it a bunch, but I guess it, not in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, same as you remember, it's just 7 out of 10. It's a nice Christmas story, I guess. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, okay. Have you seen it? Absolutely. Oh, it's on Netflix Instant. Um, it is? Yeah, I found that out the easy way by looking Have for Have you it. seen all of them? Like, uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, yes. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yeah. Honey, I, We Shrunk Ourselves is on there too, but not Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which I really was wanting That's to see. That's the one with a real big base. Yeah, it's, I know it's going to be cheesy, but I do remember liking it. But Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, it holds up, I think. I mean... I think it would. I mean, it's if you can take it for what it is. Yeah. You know? Great practical effects for the time. I mean, mm-hmm. the miniature world and, and their garden, or their yard, not garden. But um, I just love Rick Moranis. He's great. Uh, I don't know what to say. It's just It wasn't as great as I loved it as a kid, but it, it's a heavy 8 out of 10 for me. It holds up. And lastly... What is a 10 out of 10? Dumb and Dumber. Hey, okay. I rewatched yeah. Dumb and Dumber for the, about the 150th time. Mm-hmm. But the first time in a while. It's so fucking funny. It still is. It holds up every single second of it. Mm-hmm. Every single second of it. I'm dying laughing watching it. Okay, I, re- I watched it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I remember. Um, I didn't laugh as much as I used to. But it's still like, I, 
I it's still funny to me even though I'm not laughing out mm -hmm. loud. So yeah, I can't say anything else about it, but loved it. So we'll move on to the news. The news is there any? A little bit. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Direct. I sh I'll save this one so you don't feel terrible. Mike Nichols died. I guess I'll say it anyway. He did. Director Mike Nichols at age eighty-three. Mm. Oh crap! He directed. Sorry, he directed The Graduate, mm -hmm. Charlie Wilson's War, The Birdcage. Okay. A bunch of movies I'm sure you've seen. I think I want to say Galaxy Quest, but I could be wrong. Um, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen The Graduate. Uh, you have. Yeah, I watched Charlie Wilson's War. I didn't like Charlie Wilson's War I didn't much either. at all. I didn't, didn't like The Graduate either, to be honest. I thought The Graduate was pretty good. I didn't like it. But it's still sad. Come on. Just because you didn't like his movies. Well, yeah, you have to spit on his grave. <laughs> have you seen that? Uh, I Spit on Your Grave? No. Me either. Paul Greengrass is going to direct a couple movies coming up. you know who he is? Yes. Uh, what is he going to direct, though? He's going to direct a 1984 remake. Of what? 1984 is the movie. <laughs> oh. It is? Yeah. A movie called 1984. I don't know anything about it, but it's a remake he's going to be making. And also he's going to be making The Tunnels, which is a Berlin Wall escape thriller. That sounds interesting to me. No, because, I mean, if you know the Berlin Wall, it's not like the Berlin Wall was like, you know... But he just seen he's it's a thriller. So he's so good at making thrillers. I feel like it's not gonna be a thriller. Thriller dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What's that boat movie he made, Captain Jack? Oh my god. Um Tom Hanks. Captain Phillips? Yes. <laughs> Captain Phillips. He's a hero. Going to take this planet. And lastly, Oscar Isaac is going to play Apocalypse in the new X-Men movie. Um, tell me something he's been in. Coen Brothers' latest musical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. He's, wait, he's going to be Apocalypse? Yeah. How does that, what? <laughs> Makeup, effects, I guess. That doesn't, no, that doesn't. Or just a voice, I don't know. Even, no. Do you know who would have been great for it? John Coffee. Who's that? You don't know who John Coffee is? No. Are you kidding it me? Sounds familiar. Um, I drink it every day. It's spelled like the. Uh, it's just like the drink, but spelled different, <laughs> as he always said in uh, uh, the Green Mile. That's not John Coffee. That's, that's his name, John Coffee. Oh, no, his character. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it sounds familiar. <laughs> He's dead. I know, but I'm saying he would have been great for it. A yeah, big, I, big he burly guy. He would have. Um, yeah. That's true. Michael Clark Duncan. Yes, that is his name. What the heck is Oscar Isaac movie with? <laughs> I am so tired. Oh man, no. Um, Lewin Davis inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. Whew. It's late, guys. It's that was late. a great film. Amazing, really. Yeah. Just think about it. Top five of last year. Last year was such a good year for movies. It was. This year seems like it's not. Not cool. It's good in a different way, I think. But we'll talk more about that as we get to our end of the year special coming up in a few weeks. Yes. But in theaters this past weekend, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 1, 
Part one. Are you looking forward to it? Um, Surprisingly, you're looking forward to it more than me, I think. I am, but I'm not going to see it in theaters because I think it's bullshit how they split it into mm-hmm. blatant cash grab again. It always will be. Now. I know, and that just pisses me off. Because if they would have just done done it all at once, I would have gone to the theaters to see it because I really liked the first two. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, I'll wait for for Blu-ray. I'll wait for that's Forge very understandable. That's understandable. Made 121 million dollars opening weekend, which was the lowest of the series. The, that's still pretty good. 121. Obviously, still pretty good. Yeah. It's going to make money, but it would have made more, I think, if they released it all the same. Do you think, or do you think... No, I don't think it matters. I just think it, the interest was waning? I think so. I mean, yeah. the first one, it was... The first I don't, one was like this giant surprise, and then the second one was even bigger. And then this one's still obviously huge, but... I mean, I think the people... I mean. The the fans of the books really made the first one make as much as it did. Um, I mean, it was a huge midnight release. You know, that was I think the the largest or the second largest midnight release ever. Um, but then the the movies aren't anywhere near as good as the books. So people, I, I some didn't, people think they are. Well, people who haven't read the book, <laughs> exactly. Um, so us who read the books haven't aren't going to go see it. In theaters. Well, I am actually, but not not this weekend. Okay. Actually, tomorrow I think <laughs> I am off tomorrow. So. Well, it's not the weekend, so you're right. Yeah. On Redbox this week, and uh, we'll be reviewing. Let's just say, go ahead and say it. Your most anticipated movie of the year, The Giver. The Giver. Your huge pick in the box office draft. It was my, like, secure <laughs> yeah, pick. I know, I know. I'm just busting your chops. I want to go back and look at the box office because you cut it off way too early. Go ahead, my man. I mean, it was like week one of one of my movies. You're like, nope, we're done. So you can't Sin you can't City 2, which is already out on Blu-ray, which says a lot. But I want to go back and see. Please do. I if want I'm to know how second. big my lead got. I want to see if I'm at least second. <laughs> Check it out. I think I can be second. I should be second. <laughs> Okay, say it one more time for me. I'll be second. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Edgar. <laughs> and our top five is Meryl Streep, the queen of acting, really. Thank truly, you truly. So that should be interesting, and I'll say that up yeah, front. should be one of our best top fives, I feel. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you've already done your list, so. I've done every list. Yeah. <laughs> for the next four weeks, but it's not bad. The Expendables 3 also comes out. Checking it? You got to. You saw the first two. You enjoyed the first two. Um, I didn't really enjoy the second one that much. You kidding me? You loved Van Damme. I did. I didn't even see it. When <laughs> um, I might check it out in a couple months. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Feeling bored and lonely on a Thursday night? Yeah, probably. And a Medea Christmas. How about you going to check that I, out? I already saw it in theater. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You didn't wait I want to recommend you a Medea film. You haven't even seen one to recommend it. I haven't, but I would still like to recommend one to you. Um, I think I, I watched part of one. So I don't know if I like any movie where... But here's the thing, you yeah. haven't seen it, so you can't say it. Where a guy... Where it's just like the... Nutty Professor. I liked it. Yeah. But, okay. He dresses a whole bunch of women and uh, I, uh, grandma. Look, I have nothing against cross-dressers or anything like that. 
It's just so over the top. Nutty Professor was over the top. True. I was a kid when I liked it. I think you'd still like it now. I don't the know. Clumps? The clumps? The clumps is what I'm thinking of. Not Nutty Professor. I mean, I think. Oh, I did not the like clumps the clumps. Is this, this clumps I did not simple. like the clumps. <laughs> the nutty. You uh, didn't like the clumps? No. Hercules, Hercules. I don't think that's I, funny. No, I did. But. You can, as I said earlier, email us at theredboxreport at yahoo.com. Find us on Twitter at theredboxreport. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher and on Letterboxd. I'm at the Oriole Report. I'm at Casey Brady. <laughs> as always, have a great day. the